Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. This program is about helping you thrive in some of the most challenging coaching situations. Our aim is to support you in bringing your coaching to the next level, whether you're new to coaching or you're already an expert professional. If you're a coach, leader, entrepreneur, leadership development professional, or a human resource manager, this show is for you. Welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Virus, and today I'm very excited to be interviewing Anna Maria Watson. And Anna Maria is a performance coach who draws from NLP, sports psychology, neuroscience, positive psychology, and mindfulness theory to craft industrious and dynamic coaching partnerships with leaders who yearn for more and desire balance within their life. Anna Maria, welcome. I'm very excited to interview today. And tell us in two minutes or less a little bit about yourself. Hello, Katrina, and thank you so much for having me here today on this gorgeous spring day in Geneva. I'm a performance coach with an endurance habit, or you could say that I'm an endurance athlete who is passionate about all things performance coaching. And I do find that the two parts of my life do cross over into each other. I established my coaching business, Reach For More, and ultimately it does what it says on the tin. I work with high-performing individuals and leaders who ultimately reach for more within their life. And it's not just a doing, a doing, 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 it's a being. And it's often finding that balance across their entire life, the entire spectrum, is what it is all about. I particularly associated with the phrase coined by Katrina, which was global nomadic leaders. And when but I, just one minute, oh, oh. before you go on to global nomadic <laughs> leaders, tell us how do you feel and how it resonates for you as mm. a global? Well, when I heard this nomad. phrase, I was like, that's me. And it did make me reflect quite a lot over my life on a personal and a professional basis, to be honest. I am a certified nomad. When I look back over my life over the last 20 years, And on the way here, I sat down and actually wrote a list of all the different places I've lived in. And I counted 20 different places. And that didn't include traveling for a gap year and then various other, you know, two week projects and working in different places. So it has been um, a consistent theme throughout my life, this um, global wandering, shall we say. And what has it brought to you? It's definitely brought an absolute immense richness to my life. I was born in the northeast of England and growing up there in the 1980s, I was very fortunate my parents would take me away traveling, but it wasn't on the same scale that people do nowadays. Literally within one generation, our world has completely changed and our global reach is immense, whether you're traveling in person or whether you're talking across Skype. But what has enabled me living in different places, and just a couple, for example, are Sydney to Riyadh in Saudi Arabia and Dubai. And then also from my military experience, I've um, worked and lived in Iraq and Afghanistan. So just across those countries, there is a massive cultural divide. You know, one minute I was living in Sydney next to Bondi Beach. The next week I was living in Saudi Arabia. And just if you think of the different cultural, social expectations and constraints and challenges, it can be interesting to kind of get your head around. But ultimately, as a coach, it's how can then I support my clients? 
What brought you to all these different places? What was your father an industrialist, a military, a missionary? No, no, not at all. My father, um, he had his own business in the northeast of England. He did love to travel, and that definitely opened my eyes. And I remember a family trip in the 1990s to India with my younger brother. I was 11 at the time. And that was unusual, very unusual, to travel so much. This was pre-EasyJet, pre-internet, and everything was booked, you know, via telephone or, or, or fax. But... When I left university, I joined the military and I spent nine years in the British Army and I travelled a lot in the army. I lived abroad in Germany and that's where I had operational experience as well. And ultimately, at a young age, I had a massive responsibility as a leader for my soldiers. And with the British Army, you move every two years. So it's almost that pattern, that theme has become embedded in my life. And even when I left the army, I still sought that change. I'd become restless and it was seeking out something different. And if you ask me now, you know, where is home? It's a little bit of a, a perplexing question. And what is that solid basis that I do hold on to? And for me, it is being Chamonix. I love going to the mountains. I love the outdoors. And it's been my kind of one constant for 16 years. So even though I have potentially been living abroad, I've always come back to the French mountains. And that's really grounded me. I literally... I can, you know, drive up the valley and I just have this lightness. There's a different energy. The, there's this sense that, you know, anything's possible there. And I, I often call it my creative space. I retreat there to think and develop my business. Is there anything or object or thing that you always bring with you as well or not really? No, not material possession-wise, no. It is more I kind of link into how I structure my day or my time and from a business perspective, how can I be mobile? So that there's going down the first route, you know, how, how do I structure my day? How do I structure my lifestyle? Um, for me, my endurance career and the performance from a physical perspective is, it gives me a framework, it gives me a constant. And, you know, going outdoors and going out running and pushing my boundaries and pushing my performance, that is a big part of my lifestyle. So that is another constant. Coming on to my business, it's this is where the internet has been an absolute godsend. And, you know, office-wise, I, I can work from anywhere, be it um, a park bench, be it a coffee shop, be it a client's office, be it on the train, be it on the plane. Basically, it's building that, that presence online. And once you kind of, you set the foundations, it's your style, it's your feel, it's your philosophy, whether you're blogging, whether you're sharing things on LinkedIn, whether you're tweeting, that is kind of part of a bigger picture of what is home and who I am. And tell us a little bit more about how sports has influenced your coaching. So the sports psychology side of things, and it's a mind over matter. And actually within sport, the physical training is actually a, a really small percentage of how you do. Ultimately, you can talk yourself in and out of anything. And when I'm competing, you're pushing yourself. And if you start that negative talk, that kind of inner critic starts talking you down or you start focusing on the pain or the distance that's left that's when you know things can basically start to go wrong and it's the same from a business perspective you have that inner voice everyone has it that talks to you and that's actually how do you manage that and it brings in elements as well of positive psychology and NLP and the whole spectrum it is all very much interlinked but I, I'm fascinated by performance and how can we improve our performance it's those marginal gains that from a sports perspective, whether you're racing or whether from a business perspective, sometimes it's just keeping on going, keeping on going, keep on going. It's those small steps that ultimately are big wins. So how has NLP, for example, and neuroscience or even sports psychology, how has that helped 
you as a coach for better performance? Like NLP, let's start with that. So with NLP, it was very much, you know, the I, I love going back to the basics. It's the rapport, it's the body language, it's the way that our brain processes the information. And I'm very logical and I love process. It's almost an example, you know, you can sit a client down and draw them a diagram and talk them through it. And once they have that, it's something that they can kind of take away and hold on to. And also the way that people see their world. Everyone sees the world differently and it's coming back to that. Okay, so what is my client's model of the world? How do they see things? How are they chunking things up? How can I maybe bring them back if they're too strategic? But leaders can be sometimes. Sometimes it's making them appreciate the detail. So through the questioning, how can you pose the question? And give, So they're giving you examples ultimately. And then how you bring that back up to the bigger picture as well. In neuroscience, how does that link to performance? Ah, it's the coaching? brain. The, our brain cells and our neurons are just absolutely fascinating and how they kind of fire and wire together. And the different parts of the brain and how can we ultimately support our prefrontal cortex? How can we support that executive thinking, which is what leaders need so they can make these logical decisions, which... You know, our brain is an absolutely hungry beast and it devours energy. So actually taking it from how do we support these neurons, it takes it back to kind of cellular level. And I love linking kind of the, the neuroscience to the biological and the physiological side of things. How can we support the cells in our brain? And actually it's, it's moving beyond just the neuroscience, it's linking it to the nutrition. Okay, what do we eat to make sure that we are supporting our brain cells? From a physical point of view, we are not designed to sit for 12, you know, 14, 16 hours. Okay, so how can we optimize the performance? Actually get outside and go for a walk. So it's a very tight crossover. But when you're working with leaders and they're so fixated on their job and it's a sitting in the immense kind of the pressure that they're putting, the, the cognitive load that they build up during the day, actually it's by, you know, taking a step back, getting a different perspective, taking a break and actually come back refreshed, which is why, you know, I love walking and talking. It's getting back to our natural environment and actually taking leaders out of their office, out of that environment, it changes their state. And once you've changed your state and you're walking side by side, the conversations that you have, the rapport that you can build is absolutely amazing and transformational things happen. And how has being a global nomadic leader, or a global nomad anyway, for sure, and traveling all these ways, how, what perspective do you give to the leaders when you coach them? I found that it's given me a very non-judgmental perspective, which from coaching it is part of the bread and butter, and it links back to the International Coach Federation core competencies. But actually, living within the UK and growing up within the UK, you're embedded within that culture. It is a part of you. And actually, it's once you travel, you start to meet other cultures, you're opened up and far more... I found it's made me respect other cultures a lot more and just being able to sit and to listen and to accept. And I find people absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's that kind of curiosity that that's what drives your questions as a coach. And that's what, I don't know, supports me to hold the space for somebody. And I find that silence is, you know, so, so, so powerful. A lot of the time we fill our lives with, I don't know, stuff and things and distracting ourselves and actually having that space to be curious, that's where the magic starts. So where do you want to be as a coach in the future? How do you want to develop your business, being a highly mobile, coaching, and in performance? The way I see it moving forwards is it's spreading that message. It's spreading that message of getting people outdoors, 
You know, I, the way I see the future, technology is going to become a massive part of our life, even bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And actually, how is technology going to start replacing people? What is that differentiator between, you know, machines and artificial intelligence and leaders? So how can I support leaders in the future do their job? Leaders are going to have to differentiate themselves from artificial intelligence. How can they differentiate themselves? How can I support them to improve their performance? Can you give concrete examples? Well, if you look at the, you know, it was a study done recently that within the next, I think, 10 years, 47% of jobs are going to be replaced. And if you look at kind of the um, accountancy side of things and the finance side of things, actually, it's far cheaper, easier to get basically robots or computers to do them. So actually, it's going to be the leaders that are going to become unique. So it's how can I work with them to work alongside computers and technology? It's inevitable. So how can we get you know, the best balance, the best mix? But how can I maintain that so we remain an element of true to ourselves, true to our humanity, true to our authenticity? And it comes back to that, you know, I love being outdoors. My favourite sessions are when I am walking along the South Bank in London with a client, before work maybe, and it's debating, discussing, sharing, exploring ideas around leadership. So I see myself as a USP, as someone who takes people outside of their four walls, potentially. It gives them a break. It's a different perspective. And it's exploring those ideas around leadership. And I will you know, continue to travel home for me in the long term. Who knows where that will be? But I will ultimately, I will be utilizing that technology as well to support the growth of my business. And I take my coaching professionalism extremely important as well and this is almost like a second strand to where I see my business developing in the future I want to be supporting other coaches so new coaches who are coming on board and guiding them supervising them because supervision is such a key important area as a coach to make sure that we are practicing within the ethics of our profession as well and to make sure that we are developing as well constantly. So what got you into coaching? It links back to my military days I had nine years in the uh, Royal Logistic Corps in the British military. And as a 21-year-old, fresh out of Sandhurst, which is basically the uh, British military um, leadership college, what did I know? I was leading soldiers. Um, I had a, a platoon of 20. I literally ended up in Afghanistan. And as a leader, it was how do I find my style? What do I do? And I found the most effective way was to listen. So it wasn't me sat in my office fiddling with bits of paperwork. It was getting out onto the vehicle park with the guys and asking them questions. And some of them would be in their 30s and there would be the whole range of challenges of, I don't know, second marriages, children, career. And it was listening. It was asking questions. And ultimately, those are the two bedrocks as a coach. So I, don't, I didn't consider myself a coach then. I didn't even consider the thought of me being coached by someone was completely beyond me. And it wasn't until I, I left the army and I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, though my last job in the military had been in the learning and development realm, um, which I'd loved bringing on students um, into the leadership role, building teamwork. It was when I was in the Middle East working on a leadership program, one of my colleagues was an NLP trainer. And during the summer, clearly it's very hot in Abu Dhabi, he put on an NLP course. And I was, I was a bit cynical about it at first, hands up. I wasn't completely convinced. I don't think the name gives it much credit times, but I was fascinated. And I think once you start on this journey, it's, wow, what else is there out there? So that's why I've, you know, I've specialised in a couple of psychometric tools, the extended disc and inventory of work attitudes and motivators. I'm an accredited analytic network coach and the embraining as well. And they all complement each other and bring a very kind of rich breadth to my coaching. It's not that I have a framework that I 
work through, okay, session one, this is what we're doing. It's very much working with the client. So tell us, where can people get a hold of you? My website is www.rfmcoaching.com. So RFM as in reach for more. I do enjoy a bit of social media action. So I'm on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at rfmcoaching. Um, also on LinkedIn, Anna Marie Watson. And my email address is Anna at rfmcoaching.com. And I'd love to hear from any of your listeners and, you know, hear their thoughts. And I, you know, I always get back to anybody who gets in touch with me, Great. whether it's on a coaching perspective or on my endurance athlete perspective as well. Wonderful. Thank you so very much. We'll have these on the show notes. And thank you very, very much. Thank you, Kajina. Thanks for listening to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to all future podcasts at excellentexecutivecoaching.com and sign up for monthly newsletters featuring all the latest tips and techniques to bring your coaching to the next level. Join us again soon, and until then, bye for now.